It's Wednesday on Weagle, and that means it's time for some tailgate talk with Christian and Donovan, your go-to for all things college football. So get ready for a recap and a breakdown of all the college football scores, news, and predictions. So drop your tailgates, grab your playbooks, and get ready to talk some football. Hello, hello, and welcome to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. It is Wednesday, September 7th. And we had a huge weekend of college football. I'm Donovan Weaver, along with always my co-host, Christian. How are you doing, Christian? Man, we got a lot to talk about. We only got an hour for this. We got I know. A, we got a lot to talk about. I about to say, we got we to really go in the hurry up here. So, I mean, I know we want to we want to start with this, but we'll, we'll get to week one in a second. But Before I'll, anything, actually. Sorry about that. No, you're good. I'd like to give a shout-out to the hometown Atlanta Braves. Oh. For, um, yeah, time Climbing back, taking the back in 11-and-a-half game. Um, what is it? Deficit. Yep. Uh, now we're we're tied for first in the NL East. Oh no, big time! So we're both actually huge Braves fans, and yeah, the uh, Bravos tied it up uh, against the Mets last night in a wild game versus the A's, ten to nine. Yeah, Cal- well, yeah. They saw we were playing football now, so they figured we had to keep up with. Yeah, college yeah, football, yeah. So. It's it's almost like they did that for us. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So that was really nice of the Braves to do that. But the first thing we're going to talk about before we get into Week One. College football playoff, just a side of the committee, just a side of this, going to 12 teams maybe by 2026, as soon as 2026. So what are your thoughts on that, Christian? I love it. Okay. I don't think that there's too many things that college football fans agree on, but I think that that's one of them. I think that having more teams is more games. More games is more college football, and I don't think that there's anybody that would complain about having more football and from the standpoint of the NCAA and ESPN and all of the teams, I mean, you're looking at more money as well. So I don't see how there's – there shouldn't be any complaint whatsoever. Yeah, no, I was talking to one of my other friends about this, and he was pretty excited too. He said he, he liked it to go to eight, and I think I agree with him, but I think 12 is definitely better than four. 100%, yeah. And as you can say – and I, I'm not one of those people that says that college football is getting stale. Like, oh, it's the same teams every year. I mean, of course, you have the Bamas, the Georgias, you know, the Ohio States. They do make it a lot. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think 12 teams does provide a lot more variety, a lot, again, a lot more football, so nothing wrong with that. I, just, I think it does make it more competitive, and, I, I mean, eventually I would like to see, like, maybe like a, an 11 seed or 10 seed, like, make it to the championship game, like a little Cinderella story. Oh, just, definitely, Just yeah. like an NCAA basketball, and if it goes on long enough, I could totally see that happen, but – I definitely like the change, too. I think it's good for college football. Yeah, no, I think it's great just from the standpoint, you know, the way the bracket's looking right now, or the format at least, uh, it would be the six conference champions, and then after that it would be the six highest seeds that the committee sees overall. However, a, par- a, power f- or a group of five team is confirmed to be in it at yes. all times. So I yeah. think that's huge for the group of five teams. Uh, I mean, it's, it's true that Cincinnati paved the way for they all did. of those smaller teams. And like what you were saying, I mean – for all you know, in a couple of years, a team like Cincinnati could pull off an upset and that could, you know, reshape all of college football. Exactly, yeah. But so now we're going to get into a little week one recap. Week one was insane. I was like, I was surprised because obviously it's week one, first, first week of the season. You know, a lot of, a lot of mess ups are tend to happen um, and not a lot of huge games, but there were a lot of really close and wild games that I, I was shocked. Like, 
I was just glued to my TV the whole weekend. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy seeing, you know, you, when you're looking at the, um, you know, the recap or the, the rundown of all the games, there's not too many of them that catch your eye. Obviously, the Georgia-Oregon game, the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, those are the ones that are obviously going to take a majority of the views. But, I mean, if you're a college football fan, week one was a week for you. No, it was wild, and let's get into it. So we can just do chronologically the Thursday games. I mean, it started Thursday. Oh, yeah. And, and so we didn't even talk about these two games we're about to talk about, but they were insane. I remember just watching Thursday thinking, Holy, like, wow. Like, so West Virginia versus Pitt. I don't know if you all watched this, but this was a, like just a tight game through and through. And I don't, I don't think a lot – I thought a lot of people probably thought that West Virginia would put up a fight. I don't think they thought they were going to put up that good of a fight. No, I don't think so at all. And I think it's cool having – with, you know, the conference realignments and everything being changed, it's cool to see rivalries that were big in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s almost get revamped. Yes. Uh, and this is one of them right here. I mean, being honest with you, when I turned it on, I was like, okay, there's Thursday Night Football on. I'll watch it. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting to be – like what you said, glued to my TV watching every single play just because of how good of a game it was and how good of an environment it was on a Thursday night game. Exactly. It was really cool to see, you know, the like the games that don't have as much hype around them almost start to grow and have that primetime spot to where it can open up a lot more publicity. Yeah, obviously we're broadcasting out of Auburn, so a lot of SEC fans down here because that's, that's the part of the country we're at. And we got to see a familiar face in a JT Daniels Actually had a pretty good game for West Virginia. Almost led them to a game-tying drive. Um, fourth and 16, they were down by seven late in the fourth. Uh, threw, threw a great pass to the two-yard line. Reese Smith almost came up with it. It was originally called a catch on the field, but then went to replay, and it turned to a drop, and that was pretty much the game. But it was, it was a wild game. It was. And, you know, the big thing that I want to highlight for that game is how long until receivers can get interceptions added to their name? <laughs> Because I really, I really don't think that it's something that should go on to the quarterback every single time. Yeah. Yes, it's a quarterback stat because JT Daniels was the one that threw the ball. But on the pick six that ended up winning the game, I mean, if the dude, if it doesn't hit, the, if it doesn't hit his receiver in the face, hits him, or it doesn't hit him in the hands, it hits him in the face mask. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it goes right through his hands, straight to the defender, and it leads to a game-ending pick six. But you know, you look at the stats and you're okay. J, uh, JT Daniels threw for 214 yards. That's not bad. He threw two touchdowns. But he threw a pick, so you're like, okay, yeah. you know, maybe it wasn't as good as it seems, but you know, I don't think that interception deserves to go under his name. And that wasn't the only big time Thursday night game, Penn State versus Purdue, which I was pretty excited about. We're Auburn fans, so we got Penn State here next week. Huge game. They're playing Purdue, who I'm I'm also pretty high on. I think Purdue's a really good team. And that game, 35-31, Penn State comes out with the with the W. Um, Sean Clifford. Leads a game-winning drive after throwing a crucial pick six midway through the fourth quarter, which I thought showed a lot of poise on his part. Uh, just a another insane game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you've been at Penn State since the '80s, like Sean Clifford has, you know, it feels like he's there every single year. Exactly. Yeah, he's um, been there a while. Yeah, but you know, having that that poise and that ability to bounce back to handle adversity, throwing that pick six, you know, coming back into the huddle saying, you know what, guys, I got you. Mm -hmm. Don't don't fall on me. Stay on me. We're gonna lead it. And we're gonna win it. And then, yeah, I mean, that last drive, 6 of 7, 72 yards, and the game-winning touchdown, that's a big comeback. And uh, I look forward to this big-time matchup in Jordan-Hare next week. I'm about to say, Auburn, Penn State next weekend, that's going to be – that game. That game's going to be insane. I can't wait to go to that. It will. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. A uh, great environment. So, North Carolina State 
versus East Carolina. Y'all probably didn't watch this. This is a, a afternoon, like a midday game, and I've actually got NC State. I've got them as my dark horse to win the ACC, and I'm, I'm not backtracking just because of a little hiccup, but they they win 21-20. Owen Daffer, who is the kicker for East Carolina, and actually I, I think like got conference honors last year, misses a, a extra point to tie the game and then a 41-yard field goal to win it. Uh, so obviously, I mean, we, we feel for that kid. That's just terrible. But uh, just an, another just crazy game on week one, just like you don't believe it. Yeah, no, and I'm honestly I'm with you on that NC State competing for, for the ACC championship, especially yeah. after watching, I would say, a, a lackluster performance from Clemson, yes. who is arguably, you know, the ACC favorite. And, I mean, I think they're, they were third on the preseason projections for the percentages to make it to the college football playoff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, after watching, I mean, you know, if you're looking at the box score of that Clemson-Georgia Tech game, it doesn't look like anything close. But if you watched it, it really wasn't anything impressive. Uh, so, yeah, I would expect NC State to give them a run for their money. And like what you said, I mean, that uh, PAT with three minutes left and then the, the field goal with four seconds left, you hate to see, you know, regardless of a, of a fan or regardless of a team, you hate to see, see a kid go out like that. I'm about to say because – I mean that kid's our age, yeah. and I just I could I obviously I couldn't even imagine that kind of pressure going to going to try to beat again what I think at the time they were uh, what number thirteen 13, in the country yeah yeah so and again I again that game's always close if you look historically that East Carolina North Carolina uh, North Carolina State game is it's almost a rivalry it is they play each other close and East Carolina that's not not a, not an easy place to play. They they play you hard um, down there, but uh, just an insane game. Real quick, we're just going to mention this game: South Dakota State versus Iowa. I don't know if y'all watched this, but it was a barn burner. We're just a <laughs> just a class act in how to play college football. Iowa taking the victory seven seven to three, they, and not how you would think. Either. I about to say you probably think, oh, they scored a touchdown, really defensive game. Well, it was a defensive game. Iowa wins on a field goal and two safeties. Yeah, four points scored in the second half. That's that, impressive. That's a brutal game to watch. But to say it reminds me of early two thousands Auburn Mississippi State yeah. a little bit. Oh yeah, a little three bit. to two. I'm about to say, and I don't, I don't want to don't want to talk about that game too much. But on the reverse, we and the, so that that's one score of college football seven to three. And then you had North Carolina versus App State sixty three sixty one with <laughs> yeah. North Carolina and Mac Brown getting that win. Yeah, that's a uh, that was a really tough game to watch. It was you know it was, <laughs> it's almost. It's so fun to see college football and how there's perfect examples of how to play football, and then there's perfect examples of how not to play football. Both quarterbacks for each team threw for over 350 yards and 10 passing touchdowns combined. I mean, yeah, there were 22 <laughs> players that played in that game. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was whichever team was on offense. Whichever team the was 11, on offense. The 11 yeah. for UNC on offense and the 11 for App State on offense. Over 1,200 total yards combined. I don't think y'all realize how – insane of a stat that is yeah that both teams average 600 yards 63 61 that that's insane to me that a game that didn't go to overtime can do that you, we, we don't see that a lot in the SEC. we don't really see a lot of 63 no. 61 games in the sec do we? and another thing you don't see is you don't see 66 points scored in the fourth quarter that is 15 <laughs> minutes of football with 66 points scored 44 of them by app state and that that's a crazy thing to think about with how many i mean you, you don't get 42 that's six and a half possessions I don't think most teams get six and a half possessions arguably I mean maybe in a half but definitely not not a quarter and uh you know just one thing I don't want to be an old head but 
you know, after after App State scores, they miss the two point conversion. North Carolina's up one. Yeah. Onside kick. Don't return it. Nope. I don't I don't want to be that guy that's saying, you know, don't have fun. Don't, you know, obviously the adrenaline's getting to him. But he fields the onside kick, nobody's there, he runs it in for a touchdown. Exactly. If he needs if he needs the ball, game's over, they win by one, which I mean, luckily they ended up winning, but he scores, they kick the extra point, go up eight. 28 something seconds left. Chase Bryce leads another drive and they score and then miss the two point conversion. So it shows how easily the game can change. And I mean, you're fortunate to have that 1 0 next to you. Yeah, well, we're, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're not done talking week one. We got Oregon, Georgia, which was a real, real tight game. We'll talk about that. <laughs> you're listening. You're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're still recapping week one and a big one. Oregon versus Georgia was played in the ATL. My co-host predicted Oregon in a big upset, and he wasn't quite right <laughs> as the Georgia Bulldogs beat, oh, beat the Ducks 49-3. Stinson Bennett, over an 80% completion percentage, 368 yards through the air, and two touchdowns. Looked like an absolute stud. And on the other side, Bo Nix and the Ducks didn't really look quite impressive. No, they didn't. Uh, it took about it took about five minutes for me. I was sitting there at uh, halftime downtown with my girlfriend, and we were watching it on that big projector or whatever. And, you know, the first Oregon drive, it wasn't bad. They had, like, two third downs or whatever. And then the last third down, they ran a halfback wheel. Halfback didn't turn his, didn't turn his head, <laughs> and it uh, was an incompletion. So I was like, okay, not a bad drive. We'll be all right. Yeah. I punted. It took about three or four plays for me to go, oh, boy. That game, it's it's almost – it's insane how quickly that game got out of hand. It was. I mean, it was – I mean, you could say the first two possessions. Yes. I mean, it's Georgia scored 49 points on their first seven possessions. I thought – I honestly thought I think I think my score prediction was forty two seventeen, and I thought I thought even that was maybe a little too much. I thought that the at least at halftime it would be semi close, yeah, like maybe twenty one ten, yeah, something like yeah. that. I thought Oregon would put up at least a fight, but I just like just I was almost shocked. I guess I guess I'm not super shocked. I mean, it's Georgia, yeah, and Georgia's they're they're athletes, they're different animals up there. But I mean, it's still Oregon, Pac twelve program. I just I don't know, it's just ugh, bad. I mean, it's and it's we're only sitting there talking about the uh, the Georgia offense. I mean, the Georgia defense allowed three points, made made Oregon look like a, a JV team, like they really did. Yeah, and I mean, just absolute domination. I feel like it's not it's not a far fetch to say that Georgia looks like the most complete team in college football right now. No, I wouldn't. I because I don't think Oregon's bad. That's no, the thing. not I, at all. I think Oregon could still easily win the Pac-12, as we'll see with Utah, as they struggle too against uh, not struggle. They they played a really good game. We'll, we'll get to them in a second, but. I think the Pac-12 is wide open, and even though Oregon, again, you, you lose 49-3, you're like, okay, there's no way you're winning a championship. And as Lee Corsa would say, not so fast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like I feel like that uh, that whole conference is still wide open. Oregon still has a really good shot. They just need to get some things figured out, and also they ran they ran into a monster. You ran into yeah. I mean, it's just an absolute juggernaut on week one. I, I don't. I also don't feel like it's 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 too far to say that despite all the odds and despite all of the hometown criticism. I don't. I don't see Stetson. I mean, I, I see him as a Heisman candidate right now, oh. just with the with the talent that he has in the backfield, with the running game, and 
you know, I expected him to struggle a little bit. Yes. But, I mean, unless you consider six completions and 31 attempts struggling, I don't feel like that's that's too big of a problem to have. I know this is wild, and I know, I know his talent around him is insane, but he looked comfortable. He did. He looked, he, he made some, he, and he made some really good throws. He looked really good in the pocket. It's just like he took it. If he if he took that next step, people need to be scared of Georgia. Obviously, you're scared of him anyways, even if Stetson's just decent. Yeah. But if he's if he's turning to that guy, oof, I'd w- watch out. Yeah. And then I mean, just the fact that we got our first real look at Darnell Washington on, my I mean, Lord. just that little dig route that he turned my, up the sideline and just hurtled the defender, ran over a defender, turned a four or five yard gain into twenty five or something like these, that. These Georgia tight ends, they're feeding them something different <laughs> down there in Athens. I don't know what it is. I need some of it though. Yeah. I just insane. But let's let's move on to to my pick, my dark horse to win the SEC this year. The Arkansas Razorbacks. They took care of business. Not the prettiest game. But they take care of, uh, a, I think, a pretty good team in Cincinnati. I know they lost a lot. I still think they're pretty good, though. Arkansas takes care of business, 31-24. K.J. Jefferson, another guy I'm really high on, passed for 223 yards, three touchdowns, rushed for another 62 and another touchdown. And Arkansas as a whole rushed for 224 yards, and they led the they led the nation in rushing yards per game last year around that same mark, around 224, 225. So Arkansas, I think a good start to the season, and they've got another big game coming up here, but I think they looked really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, like what you were saying, the K.J. Jefferson in the running game, is it brings that offense to, to another level. It brings them almost to an elite offense, especially on the ground. Yes. And, I mean, I think that showed against a not not a, not a bad Cincinnati front seven. Not, not bad at they all. They lost a lot in their corners and their safeties, but their front seven was still very strong. And it's funny to us because we were sitting there talking about this game last week. We were saying a touchdown. That's disrespectful, disrespectful to Arkansas. Disrespectful to Arkansas. The Razorbacks. But, Cincinnati lost so much. Yeah, but it's, it's just crazy to think about how, how many times, more than not, the spread is correct. Those odds makers know what they're doing. Yeah. It, it's weird. I guess that's why we're – I guess that's why <laughs> me and Christian are not odds makers because – Yeah, because I picked Oregon. <laughs> he picked Oregon, and I, and I had Arkansas winning by at least two touchdowns. That didn't happen. Not yeah. quite. But, I, again, I, I think – Arkansas took care of business. Got another big one. Got a huge game this week, but we'll talk about that later. Now let's move on to, I think, well, was the game of the weekend until Sunday, and don't worry, we'll get to that. Utah versus Florida. Florida pulling off the quote-unquote upset. I don't know how much of an upset you can call it when it's an SEC, a storied SEC team in the swamp at night, but technically they pulled the upset 29-26 versus, at the time, number seven Utah. Anthony Richardson. I tr- I told you last week. Yeah. I said he's that guy. Rushed for 106 yards on only 11 attempts, and three touchdowns on the ground. Just absolutely balled out. Yeah, he did. And that 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 Florida offense looked comfortable around him too. Very playing against a very solid Oregon de- or uh, I'm sorry, a uh, very solid Utah defense. Yes, he did look very solid. The Florida defense looked a little shaky in the second half against the run, but that game that game ceiling interception in the end zone. Uh, I saw a couple things on Twitter about guys like on the field that were videoing that play and just seeing the swamp, and that environment is crazy down there. It's it's absolutely insane, and I and I, I want to say this too because I talked about it last week, but Utah has a dynamic duo in the backfield with their quarterback Cameron Rising and their running back Tavon Thomas. They combined for 422 yards, so they balled out too. Yeah, they did. Utah again. I'm still really high on them to 
they're pro- they're probably my favorite to pick the Pac-12. I, I think Oregon has a good shot. You, this is a really good Utah team, so that's a testament to Florida. It is. And I know they had, again, it was at the Swamp night game, week one, you know, and I, I, I did say that I thought that having Anthony Richardson can go – I think he can win you some games just by having him. Even if maybe you're not the better team, I think he can win you some games. I think he, he proved that this Saturday. 100%. And he gets to do it again against the Kentucky team this weekend. Oh, is that, is that what you think? I do. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We've got some differencing of opinions on that. But that brings us to kind of what I've heard a lot of people say this was a disappointing game. Notre Dame versus Ohio State, 21-10. Ohio State takes care of business. I, it's it's one of those games where people think that like either way, whatever happens, so if Ohio State wins big, people say they should have won big and Notre Dame's not any good. If Ohio State wins close – Wow, how could you, why was that close? But Notre yeah. Dame's still not any good, so it's almost like you can't win. So, I, but I mean, you took care of business against against the number five team in the country at the time. So, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, no, I actually one hundred percent agree with what you were saying. It's, you almost expect that Ohio State offense to go out for fifty or sixty every single night, yes, or every Saturday night or whatever. And when they don't, you don't look at that as a testament to whoever they played. You look at that as a, huh. Maybe Ohio State's not great. You know, maybe, you immediately yeah. you immediately make that conclusion. Yeah, maybe they're not that good. Yeah. yeah, rather than saying, okay, maybe Marcus Freeman knows what he's doing. Maybe those team, maybe that team rallied around what he does and what he did, and maybe that Notre Dame defense is pretty solid. But I say maybe that Notre Dame defense is pretty solid. Maybe it's week one. People love to make predictions. They, they, people know everything after week one, right? Oh, well, uh, they know it before the season. You're right. They know it before the season, but then they see it on the field and they're like, okay, well, now I know for a fact that's who you are, that's who you're going to be. Guys, it's week one. Yeah, panic button, panic button, panic button, panic button. And, again, Ohio State's got C.J. Stroud, and he, he didn't look great, but, like, he still I mean, he still threw over 223 and two touchdowns. He did enough to win the game. He did. Uh, but it was watching the game, you know, you see that 24 for 34 stat line. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, it was a little bit deceiving because he did have his struggles he did. without uh, Smith and Jigba, his number one receiver and arguably the best receiver in the draft class this upcoming year. Very good. But he, he, I think he had two receptions for three yards before getting hurt. And you can see that that offense really did stutter for a little bit before those two fourth-quarter touchdowns. They did. But, again, Ohio State takes care of business. They did, Again, they did what they needed to do. So, I'm not – I'm not ready to jump off the Ohio State bandwagon yet. Not not ready to jump off the Notre Dame bandwagon yet either. No, and especially not. I mean, if you're looking at the the playoff expansion, it fits Notre Dame pretty well. Very being, well. Being an independent, it's almost like a I don't want to say a free bid, but if you're not having to play a conference championship game and there's not really an equivalent, if you're playing if you're playing Clemson every year and Ohio State every year and you win one of those two and then you take care of the rest of the schedule. I mean, it seems like you could almost be in easily. Easily. and But that brings us to our Sunday night game. I think it was the game of the week. Maybe not the best technically sound football game of the week, but I was pretty proud of this because I got this pick right. Everybody else I talked to didn't get this pick right. Well, so. you got it right on the radio. They don't know that. They don't know that. Florida State, LSU – yeah, if you didn't watch it, go watch go watch this game. It was insane. Or at least go watch the last four minutes. It's insane. FSU wins 24-23. Jordan Travis looks impressive as Florida State quarterback throws 260 yards and two touchdowns and I and took a and took a brutal targeting hit and, <laughs> and threw an absolute dot. He did. Stayed yeah. in the pocket and threw an absolute dot. But real quick, I just want to run down. I'm sure y'all have all seen this. This is basically what happens. LSU cut it at 24-17 with four minutes left to go. 
They force a three and out uh, on Florida State. Florida State punts, then LSU muffs the punt on the goal line. So FSU's got the ball on LSU's goal line. Could just bleed the clock. Could, could bleed the clock and then just kick a field goal. And Worst then, case. Yeah. And then you're up 10 with a minute to go and the yeah. game's over. Not quite what happens. <laughs> on, third, on third and goal, FSU runs a toss play, fumbles it with a minute 20. LSU recovers. And then LSU leads a great drive down the field. Almost runs out of time, gets one second back, one more play. They score, and I, you see, you see, Brian Kelly's holding up the yeah, one. No, we're going to no. overtime. We're no. going to overtime. We're not, we're not doing the two point conversion. We've got all the momentum. We're going to overtime, and then you get the extra point blocked. Florida State wins, and wow. Yeah, no, I mean, I know that hindsight is twenty twenty. So everybody's sitting there going, you know, why didn't you go for two? Exactly. But after having a field goal blocked earlier in the game. And not only that, but the way the momentum shifted in that game, that fumble recovery on the one-yard line, all the odds against LSU, regardless of the fact that they got the ball back, then all of a sudden, a completion, a completion, a completion. Next thing you know, you're at the 35. You're at the 45. You just keep trucking. All of a, I mean, you know, if, you're, if you're the Florida State defense, you're not on your heels. You're almost like on your back hoping they make a mistake. Yeah, please make a mistake. And – being at Caesars, being in Louisiana, all of the momentum is on your side. The crowd is on your side. I am holding up two fingers. I really am. And I know that that's easy to say now. I know that it's easy to look at it and go, well, yeah, Christian. I mean, obviously they, they could have won in overtime. I'm not letting that game get to overtime. I'm about to say, I know LSU technically had the momentum. It, just, it was a, such a weird game, though, and, you, and nobody was really playing good. I feel like – I feel like you're and in overtime, if you go past, what, two overtimes or three, you go to a two-point conversion – like like little playoff where you just mm-hmm. do, you trade two point conversions. Yeah. You might as well do it now. You've got your you got get your best two point conversion play. Go go win the game, and then if you don't get it, then okay, that's fine. Yeah. And I I, I think you got to go for two there again. Hindsight twenty twenty, easy for us to say, but again, just an insane game. Good for Mike Norvell in Florida State. They needed it. Yeah. Big time. He needed it. So good for him. But we're gonna take a quick break, and week two preview is coming up. You're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. Real quick, before we get into week two, Christian just mentioned this. He wants to talk about about the great Brian Kelly interview that happened yesterday, uh, not yesterday, but after the game. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. I don't know if y'all, if y'all heard of it or y'all have seen it or whatever, but basically Brian Kelly's already under fire. Big time. He is under the heat, and it's not just because of the coaching decisions, but – you know, you come you come into the into the interview room or whatever, and you know you look at, you look throughout the crowd and you say, "All right, maybe if y'all were on time, we would uh, we'd be able to get done with this interview." You know, something along those lines. Throwing don't shots don't at the quote press. me in it or whatever. But basically, saying you know y'all don't prioritize this. We we make y'all pay ten dollars or whatever. I need my ten dollars back since y'all aren't on time. And a bold lady from the crowd says. <laughs> Maybe if you won the game, we'd be on time. And Ooh. I think that uh, I don't. I don't know. I think that's. I think that's bold. But I think I find that pretty funny. I agree. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really bold. I personally probably wouldn't have done it. But again, I did think it was funny. So I guess. And then she did apologize. If you haven't seen. She I did, did come out apologize. Yeah. I don't know if I would have. No, I would not. Have. I think I just would have stuck to my guns. Oh, hundred percent. Because in, unless they were threatening to pull my press credentials, which I doubt they would have, because no. they would have taken major heat for that. Oh yeah. 
I think I would have stuck to my guns. I would have too. And just the fact that, you know, if you're looking at him, you kind of see his face like, oh, shoot. And it was like, <laughs> no, it wasn't about winning. It's about being on time. Yeah, yeah, well, I just yeah. want to give I'm, – I'm not, I'm not an SEC coach by any means, but um, I think you could ask, you know, a coach, coach around here um, if winning means everything. And I'm going to go with yes. I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> If, if I'm guessing again, I'm what do I know? I'm just a college student, but I I would assume yes. But let's get in. Let's get into week two. A bunch of big games. I I was just looking through, trying to go through my pickums this week. This is a hard week to pick. It there's is. A, there's a lot of really close games on the docket, and let's start with what everybody thinks is the biggest one, but is by far the biggest point spread. We've got the number one team in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide, versus Texas. It's at Texas. The line is 20 points to Bama, so it's a 20-point point spread, which is bigger than the Oregon game and Georgia game last week and the Notre Dame-Ohio State game last week. Real quick, I, I'm going to throw this one to you because I don't have much to say about it. I asked a girl who doesn't know much about sports. I said, hey, I'm writing my notes for our show. What do you think about the Bama-Texas game? She said, quote, Alabama is going to destroy them, end quote. I mean, I feel like other than Paul Feinbaum, I feel like that's that's very much the mojo that's going around. Very much, and I don't disagree with it. Um, I don't. I mean, the question is: Is this even going to be close? And obviously, the point spread says no. The only thing that I think works for Texas is the fact that Alabama has only gone to a Power 5 school that is a non-conference game in the regular season three times. Or this will be the third time time. in the Nick Saban Alabama era. And not that that's a big thing to do because, you know, you go on the road four or five times every year against an SEC team. But it's an early kick. Very noon. It's a noon kick. And I feel like that's the one thing that – sways between conferences is you see an SEC team with a noon kick or an 11 o'clock kick here and you're like oh gosh uh, yeah they're playing firm we are about to <laughs> you know we're about to play calm we're about to you know give up eight nine yards a pass because nobody's awake the no. environment's not there but these these types of games are big for the big 12 they, and teams uh, like they that. love the noon kickoff they're huge about it yeah and, and another thing too is Gus Johnson's on the call and I think that might be the best broadcaster in all of sports, just okay. being able to listen to just the emotion that he has. And I don't think he gets a lot of SEC exposure, obviously, because he usually kick, he usually works like the, the big noon kickoffs. Exactly. He doesn't really work a bunch of the SEC calls. So uh, if y'all are watching this game, pay attention to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like what you are saying, I don't know if this is going to be close. I mean, I expect Texas to come out firing because they're going to have to. They're, they'll have to. Um I mean, I think I think Saban goes back to his ways against former coaches. Sarkeesian's not going to be able to do what he does. I think Quinn Ewers is going to have a decent game. I think they're going to come out early, um, and they'll come up with a couple big plays. But I don't think they're going to be as consistent enough as the Alabama defenses and as the Alabama offenses. And, I mean, kind of ironically or comically, uh, I said that the Texas-Oklahoma game is usually, you know, the, the Texas State Fair. But <laughs> Alabama might as well grab a corn dog, yeah. get on the carnival ride because that's all that this game's going to be. No, I've, I've got it. I, again, I asked, I um, asked one of my friends, "Give me the score prediction." I'll just put it down because I really don't have a score <laughs> prediction. And he said, "A lot to a little." I said, "That's that's pretty good." He said, "Okay, I'll give you one forty-two seventeen. I said, "That's fine." I guess that's my score prediction. Okay, yeah, I went Bama fifty-six to twenty. Wow. <laughs> so I got a, I got a big time cover for the Tide. 
Yeah, but that moves us on to actually what we hope are some good games. Well, I hope that's a good game too. I just doubt it. But Arkansas, South Carolina, this is at Arkansas. I think this is a this is a big, big time game for both teams because if either team gets the win, then I feel like I feel like hey, if Arkansas gets the win, this is like okay, we're legit. We just beat Cincinnati, and now we beat a good South. What I think is a good South Carolina team. I feel like we can compete in the West. And if South Carolina goes in to Fayetteville and beats Arkansas. I know what we think about Georgia. They're contenders in the East if they do that. Because I think Arkansas's legit. And then you have Spencer Rattler in at QB. I mean, of course, when he was coming up, the transfer from Oklahoma, everybody thought he was going to be the next, again, the next Johnny Manziel, the next big guy. So I, this is a huge, huge game in Fayetteville. It is. Yeah, I mean, the spread's six and a half. So once again, and only, only a touchdown favorite. And with Radler not being too impressive against Georgia State, now don't get me wrong, Georgia State has a good team. They a do. very good team, and especially against they, the SEC. I was um, about to say, I used to go to Troy and, again, Sunbelt teams. Georgia State, they're good. Yeah. They're, they're a good I mean, I Sunbelt team. I think we got a little shock from them here um, last year or whatever. I don't, I don't really we, remember that did game. Did we? No, I, no, we took care of business, okay. right? Yeah. yeah, no, but <laughs> – I mean that that Georgia State team is very good. However, I don't think Spencer Radler was very impressive. Uh, but KJ Jefferson, on the other hand, looked very impressive. And you know, I feel like we keep talking about him and Anthony Richardson. I yeah. feel like they both have a lot of similarities. A big time, yes. And I feel. But the big thing is, is the fact that they can use their legs to bring their offense to the next level. Exactly. I think they're very similar. I think KJ's got. A little bit better in the passing game, and then I think Richardson's a better, a little bit better in the run game. But they're both studs. I, I actually, I've got KJ Jefferson as a, a maybe a dark horse for Heisman, depending on what Arkansas can do this year. I think, I think this is a super close game. I've got it 27-21 Arkansas, so I guess I do have Arkansas covering. I think KJ Jeff- Jefferson outplays Mr. Rattler. I think he's the difference. I think that's the difference. I agree. Game. Yeah, I mean, I like Shane Beamer. Uh, I like the USC team that he's putting together. I think they're going in the right direction. I think they'll be very good this year, but. Coming into a very good SEC West team on week two, I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a shock. And because of that, yeah, I got Arkansas. I got I got them covering well. Uh, I got them 34-23. Wow, okay. And as high as I am on Arkansas, I'm okay. I like that. I, big Razorbacks fans over here. We're, we're, we're high on them this year. We think they're going to be really good. But And that, that moves to a game probably not a whole lot of people are talking about. We got number 23, Wake Forest, going to Vanderbilt. The line's 13 for Wake. What, what do you think about this game? I mean, I feel like since we're high on the Vandy train, we have to stay high. I mean, you you mentioned that they were they were my East favorite. They are, they are. I, um, I did mention that last week. It's on the record. And so, I mean, I don't really remember saying that, but if it's if it's on the air, I mean, it's true, right? If it's, I mean, if, it's on, if it's on the internet, then it then it happened. I'll go back and find it. And we're good. Um, no, I'm, I'm completely joking. Um, with Sam Hartman cleared for cleared for the game after his, you know, scary blood clot Very or scary. whatever, um, thinking that he might not be able to play football. Not only getting the clearance, but getting the start on Saturday, I think is huge for the Wake Forest team because I think the spread was only like six and a half. It was super close. Before his announcement, and now it's what you said, 13? 13. 13. It's, it went from basically a touchdown game to a two-touchdown game. Yeah. Based off him, and I agree with that. Uh, so, as as we mentioned, Sam Hartman coming back from a blood, co- blood clot-related injury uh, – very thankful that he's healthy again. Threw for 50 or had 50 total touchdowns last season and 4,500 total yards. He was a stud last season. He was. Stud yeah. last season for this Wake Forest team who went 11 and 3. Yeah. They were really good. I remember they, I remember because I, I didn't watch them a whole lot. I watched them beat the breaks off Florida State, though. 
they beat the brakes off them. I, mean, I know Florida State wasn't super good last year, but I mean these Demon Deacons, they they've they've got something cooking over there. They do, and I mean honestly, I think Vanderbilt does too. I think Mike Wright at quarterback for Vandy has been very impressive. I think he's looked really good so far. However, you're playing Hawaii and Elon, and I don't think that Wake Forest would like to be compared to Hawaii or Elon. Maybe so, not. Maybe not. You know, because of that, I think that we can we can pump the brakes on Vanderbilt a little bit. I got Wake Forest forty one to twenty. I I've got Wake Forest too, and I'm probably gonna regret this. I've got thirty four thirty three. Wow. I just think I don't I, I feel like there's a lot of hype at Vanderbilt. I think they're gonna be super up for this game. And I just don't know how much Wake would be. You would think, oh, they're going to SEC school, they'll be super up. Yeah, but it's Vanderbilt. Yeah. And I and, and I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't want to crap on Vanderbilt at all. Um, I actually like Vandy. They're actually the only SEC team I go for besides Auburn. I'm like, oh, come on, Vanderbilt. You can do it. <laughs> but I think they're going to be up for this game, and I think they're going to make it really tough. Wow. Again, I, I think I think Vanderbilt's not that bad this year. I think they might end up being the best four and what uh, eight call, uh, team at the end of the year when, when it's all said and done. They just need to open up all like the Nashville bars the night before or the morning <laughs> of and then just say that it's like free admission so that non-Vanderbilt fans can just go and watch the game. Just create an environment right there. I mean, I feel like that's a not a bad marketing scheme right there. No, it's it's, it's not bad at all. And I, I want to. We got Tennessee versus Pitt coming up next. We're, we're going to go to a commercial real quick before we get into that. You are listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one FM. And welcome back into Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one FM. Talking co- week two college football matchups. We got three more games to talk about. And we're going to start off with the number 24 team in the country, Tennessee, the Tennessee Volunteers versus number 17, Pittsburgh. That line's six and a half towards Tennessee. They're the favorite. Uh, of course, they played last year. Pitt beat them uh, at Neyland uh, 41-34 last year. Very good game. What, do you, what, what, are we, what are we thinking about that one? I think it's going to be a shootout. I, I do really too. do. Um, I think the Pitt defense knows that as soon as Tennessee steps off the bus – you're going to give them 300 or 400 total yards, and you're going to give them 35 points. Yes. It's going to be whether or not Kenny Slovis will be able to keep up with that. Or not Kenny Slovis, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, Keaton Slovis. There we go, yeah. Yeah, Keaton Slovis. Um, it will be whether or not him and the offense will be able to keep up. And, you know, I just don't know if they will. I really don't. Um I mean, JT Daniels threw for 214 yards against Pittsburgh, which doesn't seem impressive, but he didn't connect on one deep ball. I think I saw something that said he was like 0 for 11 on passes more than 20 yards. Yeah, so he basically 200 yards on a little dink, on, like just dink and dunk. Yeah, and which, I mean, like that. that's not that's not bad right there, but all of a sudden you throw one 45-yard completion in there, you're up over 250. That looks like a very solid game. Very solid. And I think that Hendon Hooker – uh, the Tennessee quarterback, I think he'll be able to do that. I think he has the talent, and I, I think his receivers have the talent to be able to go up and get balls and beat Pitt one-on-one. And, yeah, I got Pitt, I got Tennessee on a close one. I got him 49-45. to 45. So I have Pittsburgh covering uh, just because they're at home, but I like the Vols. We, we, we have very similar uh, takes on this game. I think Hendon Hooker is an absolute stud. Second year as uh, Tennessee starting quarterback. Tennessee, it seems like for years people try to hype them up and then they don't live up to expectations. I feel like this is finally – they finally got a year where they know who their quarterback is. It's not a question. Hendon Hooker's their quarterback. He's a really, really good quarterback. Yeah, they and have I, an offense. And I think he has potential to be a great quarterback. I, I do think Keaton Slovis, I, I think he looked really good, obviously replacing Kenny Pickett. 
um, for Pittsburgh at quarterback. He threw for 308 yards and a touchdown against West Virginia. So he had a good game. He looked he looked pretty pretty good. It's just I do think it'll be a shootout. I think Hendon Hooker just quite. I think I think he outplays him just a little bit. He's got a little bit more experience. I've got this one tight too. I've got it 38 35. So I actually I, I've got I've got Tennessee not covering. I think 38 35. I, I like your prediction though too. A little, little more of a shootout. I think this will be a high-scoring game either way. Yeah, I agree. But that brings us to I think it's going to be the game of the week. I'm re- I, this is the one I'm excited for. We have number 20 Kentucky, who I, I, I love to say this dark horse stuff. I'm going to say it again. They're my dark horse in the East for the SEC versus number 12 Florida, who don't think they were ranked last week. I guess I guess the AP poll just said, oh, you uh you you want a really tight game in week one, so let's just let's just plow you up the rankings so Utah's not ranked ahead of you. I, just, I don't know how they do those AP polls, honestly. That's no, I mean, I, I think it's something to where, I mean, again, I don't want to sound like a guy that's, you know, not in his generation or whatever, but I would love to see something where there weren't rankings until week five or six. That makes no sense I to me. I feel like the easiest job in the world is to give the preseason top 25 because it's like, okay, um, Bama? Yep. Uh, Georgia, uh, Ohio State. Uh, I mean, you can Clemson, just Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah all that's everybody. And then twelve through twenty-five is you're picking out of a hat. Well, I just I'm curious what. Let's talk about this. For, I, I want to get to this game because I think it's going to be amazing. But so Florida is not ranked. They're not ranked in the AP poll uh, week one. They beat. They do beat the number seven team in the country. But it's also at it's at Florida's place at night week one at a conference. A lot of crazy stuff happens there. And I just feel like they boosted them up the rankings just so they could be ahead of Utah in the rankings. That, that I feel like that's what AP did, and I don't. I just, I, I I don't agree with that kind of. If you don't have Florida in the rankings, why are you certainly just boosting them up to twelve based off one win? Yeah. Um. But I digress. I'll stop talking about that. <laughs> Florida's actually favored in this game, which I'm kind of surprised about. But I guess I'm not considering they are the number twelve team in the country. For after all, they're they're favored by five and a half. I think this is going to be a QB battle. I think that's what decides this game. We have Will Levis for Kentucky. I think he's got a really great arm. I think he's very solid. I think that coaching staff's really great too. And then again, we have Anthony Richardson, who we've already established we're really high on. I feel like I feel like that might decide the game. But I feel like it's easy to just sit here and be like the quarterback's going to decide the game. But what do you have? What are you thinking about that? Yeah, no. Like I said earlier, Utah ran for 230 yards against Florida, and a majority of that was in the second half. So I think that the running game was obviously a weak a weak spot for uh, for Billy Napier and his defense. However, the reason I'm high on Florida in this game is because Kentucky's top two running backs are out. They are. Chris Rodriguez is still serving his suspension for his DUI, and then Jordan Wright um, is not playing because of an injury. And so, you know, who are you going to turn to? I don't think Will Levis is going to throw for 300 and run for 200. I really don't see that happening as much as I do like Will Levis and I like the way that he plays football. Yeah. I just don't think that him in the backfield by himself or with a running back that does not have much experience going into the swamp, I don't think that's going to be able to compete against Anthony Richardson and that his legs and then that offense that they have. I will say I do think Kentucky's the better team overall. And the the reason why I think this game's so tough to predict is because that's what I think. I mean, obviously, I mean, I I can easily be wrong. But again, it's a night game in the swamp, and and it's early in the season. Florida's on a really big high right now. They, I mean, they, again, they just beat the number seven team in the country. So, 
I've actually got Kentucky. I, I stuck with my guns. I'm big on Kentucky. I'm going to stick with them, even though I think it's going to be real, really hard. So I'm basically hoping that Will Levis just outplays Anthony Richardson. He's going to have to. He's, yeah, he he's going to have to go crazy to win this game. And I also think that I think Kentucky, I think they outcoach him. I, I think Billy Napier is incredible. Don't get me wrong. It's your, only, it's your second game in the SEC. We have to remember that. It's, their, it's second second game for this coaching staff at Florida, and we know that um, Mark, um, Mark Stoops has been at Kentucky for – I mean, what eight years now, and he's he's turned that program around. I mean, what he's done at Kentucky is honestly incredible, and I just I I think that that plus the experience of Will Levis, I think Kentucky's gonna just edge him out, but I'm not confident on it. Yeah, um, Florida's one of those teams. I feel like is kind of similar to Auburn in the standpoint of how you can come off a very big win, and then the next week play down to your you opponent, drop an egg. Yep. However, you don't have time to do that because you're welcoming Kentucky. Yep. And so I think if Florida was playing a much smaller team or a team that did not have the hype around it that Kentucky does, I think that you could see them drop the ball a little bit. But I think that they're going to continue to ride that confidence wave that they have against – or they did against Utah. And so I got Florida by two touchdowns. I got them 31-17. to 17. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Well, we got to move on because we're almost out of time. But real quick, another huge game, number nine Baylor versus number 21 BYU. It is in Provo or Prava. I don't know. It, 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 it's at BYU. I feel like this game's going to be super tight. I just it, it, I think it's a toss-up game. I think it's going to be high scoring. I went BYU, so I, uh, technically it's not an upset. I think BYU's favored in this game by four. But I got BYU 45-42. What are you thinking about this game? Okay, yeah, I mean, we're, we're almost on the same page here. The night game in Provo, it's yep. a 10-15 kick. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Although BYU doesn't have the wideout that Penn State has, it's close. It is close. And that place is not fun to play in no. at night. It really isn't. And it's crazy because those games are always, you know, the 9-45, 10-15, 10-45 slots that not many of us are able to watch. Nope. But you sit there the next day – and you look at it and you watch the highlights and, wow, BYU just beat USC or BYU just beat, you know, whoever, whoever. Yeah. And I think this will be a really good game. Um, Baylor has a very good defense coming off of the Big 12 championship. I think that they're rallying together. But I just think that at home, BYU gets it done. I think they ride that early wave of momentum, maybe two touchdowns on two drives or something like that, and it's something to carry them over for the rest of the game. I got uh, the BYU quarterback, Jaron Hall. I got him throwing for 300. Ooh. And uh, I got BYU 34-31. to 31. Yeah. I, again, right here in my notes, I've got high-scoring shootout. And I, I think that's what it's going to be. And I think, again, uh, a couple of things could decide this. Maybe a, a late pick, a fumble, a, a lucky catch. I mean, you never know with college football. I, I feel like a lot of factors could go into this game. All these games, really. I mean, there's a lot of I – mean, every game we just talked about, except Bama, Texas, which, again, I hope that's close. I think all these are going to be super close, super tight, fourth-quarter games that I think it's going to be a really fun week of college football. I'm excited. I agree. And it's usually you, – week two is usually a very down week. Very down. And then, you know, you kick off week three with conference play or at least a, another big-time opponent. But, yeah, we're not doing that this year. Nope. We're going straight into week one, straight into another great – yeah, like you said, another great week of college football and another another great week of ranked teams playing each other. I really like it. 
I about to say I, I think it's I think it's gonna be really fun. I can't wait for next week's show. I think it's I think that's just gonna be really fun because we're I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about from this week. And then again, week three is always usually crazy. That's when things start to ramp up. You start to you don't really know. It's around week five where you kind of know like how good people are. But week three you start to get a pretty good idea. But do you have anything else, Christian? I don't. Okay, uh, just another another great week, another successful show. Again, we've only known each other for. Eight days now, Eight days. but this is this is this is rocking and rolling, and I'm uh, I'm a big fan. I'm here for it. It is, um, but guys, thanks for listening. And again, again, we are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Uh, join us next week. We we love doing this. I know the second show. I've I've had a blast. Oh, yeah. I, we're we're just getting started though. But thank you all for listening in to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We will see y'all next week. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Tailgate Talk with Christian and Donovan. Tune in next week, same time, same place, Wednesdays at 3, for your weekly dose of college football.